Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show itself. Pre-code March might be officially over, but hell, Nolan wanted to do another pre-code movie anyway this week for episode 154 of the main show. Nolan, you seem so excited about pre-code. I, do you want me to be honest? Yes. I just thought I had to pick two pre-code movies this month, but it's a nice bonus it is, that we it get is to a do bonus. five of these pre-code movies. I'll be even more honest, this is not the movie I expected we would be talking about this week, but fuck it, we're going to run with it. <laughs> why Why is that? I, uh, I thought we were going to be talking about the original Godzilla v. Kong, but we can save that for another time, because this movie... Fuck, I'm gonna forget the name. Blonde Crazy. Thank God Blonde I didn't say crazy. that. Thank fuck I didn't say that around the other way. Uh, Christ. Yes. Blonde Crazy 1931 is the movie we are going to be talking about today. It's a Jimmy Cagney movie and Joan Blondell. And uh yeah, I, I just I liked in our last episode, Nolan how much you were sold on pre-code movies after watching Queen Christina. This is a significantly different pre-code movie. Oh, it couldn't be any more different. I would say it is more along the lines of what you will find with a lot of them. Is it is this kind of this kind of vibe from it? What did you make of this one? To me, this felt just sort of like one of those classic love stories that you'd kind of put on for a school play or something, but they kind of run with it and they do it really well. I mean, James Cagney, for one, I don't know. Have I been on an episode where we talk about him? I don't think we've ever covered a Jimmy Cagney movie. Because fuck me, great character actor. Incredible character actor. He really is. In a similar way to Queen Christina being a very uh, queer movie, this has all the queer vibes of like chaotic, rogue, evil stuff, or chaotic neutral, as we say in D and D terms, because it's basically like yeah. a pre-code Bonnie and Clyde. It is. It is because it's about con men. Um, and J- James Cagney, of course, is is the kind of lead con man. He kind of cons. Joan Blondell into his scheme of cons, and then Joan Blondell becomes a great con artist herself, and they deal with an even bigger con artist, played by Mustache Hall of Fame inductee Lewis Calhoun, who doesn't have a mustache in this movie, but does in a different movie that I now forget which movie it was. Wow, you sound like you're personally offended at that detail. I am, because I expect all Mustache Hall of Fame inductees to continually, constantly, always have mustaches. And I was disappointed that Lewis Calhoun didn't have a mustache. So if we end up doing Godzilla vs. Kong, does that mean Kong will automatically be put into the Mustache Hall of Fame? Because technically he's got hair everywhere above his lip. That would count as a mustache, I'm sure. Kong has hair all over his body. That's just. But in some way, he has a mustache outline. He has a mustache outline. Does he? Yeah. I mean, King Kong with a mustache. I mean, look, a mustache (laughs) is defined by just hair on the top lip. If King Kong showed up with no hair at all, but just a mustache. I would be incredibly terrified. <laughs> I'm not terrified of King Kong generally, but that version of Kong, yeah, absolutely horrendous to look at. Oh, God, my I'm eyes, ima- I can picture I'm, it. I'm just imagining the ape love child of, like, Tom Selleck and King Kong. God. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Why have we gone off the rails already? Because this is what happens when you have me on here. We've it established is. that. I am the comic relief of this show. That is it's, all I will ever be. To be fair, it's kind of what always happens. It is what always happens. Um, I do like you referring to this movie as a, as a pre-code Bonnie and Clyde, though. Because that is exactly what it feels like. Although, 
Jimmy Cagney and Joan Blondell in this movie aren't necessarily in love all the time. I mean, they are, because obviously, but we keep that on the hush-hush and everybody kind of talks to themselves about it, but they never actually directly say anything to each other until the very nice, emotional, romancy, romancy end of the movie. It's like nice chemistry, though. Like, you can tell it, it all from their body language and their eyes and everything. Yeah. Specifically can... from Jimmy Cagney. Well, what you get with Jimmy Cagney in this one is a lot of his kind of all singing, all dancing persona come out. Because not only was Jimmy Cagney obviously a very, very good um, tough guy actor and a gangster actor, but he was a fantastic musical actor as well. He won his Oscar for Yankee Doodle Dandy, which is a big ass musical um it's what people can seem to tend to forget about jimmy cagney's because he does play tough guy very very well and in this movie he's lovable rogue sleazy guy but you always like him he he's reminds not... me of like a pre-code joe pesci a little bit but i think a little more I mean, I like I like Joe Pesci, obviously, but you can't have Joe Pesci as a romantic lead, can you? I mean, depends on the movie, I guess. Could you legitimately see Joe Pesci as a romantic lead? A younger Joe Pesci, sure, or a nice romantic comedy with senior citizens, sure. I'm sure he could do that. <laughs> do it now? Should he do it now? I don't think he should do it now. Yeah, get him and like I don't know Helen Mirren in the same movie together. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> I think actually, I think Joe Pesci is more is more similar to Edward G. Robinson to like a Little Caesar rather than a Jimmy Cagney, a la The Public Enemy, um, because Jimmy Cagney I feel like has got plenty of romance in him. Uh, you know, early 30s Jimmy Cagney. I don't necessarily feel that with Edward G. Robinson, so there would there, there would be where my mind goes on the Joe Pesci front. So he's kind of like, you see him more as like a romantic bad boy type. Yes, definitely. Okay, I'll throw another actor your way then. He'd be like the pre-code James Dean or like Ralph Macchio or some of these people. Look, I've watched a lot of Ralph Macchio recently. <laughs> I can only I mean, see Ralph Macchio one way. I mean, I, I'm talking more like Ralph Macchio when he's an adult, not when he's the Karate Kid. I mean, like my cousin Vinny, Ralph Macchio. Uh, mm. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I can, I can. He is not I'll just the Karate Kid, Morgan. He is, though, isn't he? Let's be fair. He is. Nobody remembers him for anything else. Ralph Macchio. Nobody does. Jimmy Cagney, thankfully, is remembered for many, many, many things. But was this your first Jimmy Cagney movie, no? It was. Unless we've covered another movie on the we, show which has him in it. We haven't. We definitely haven't. Um, I like that you... Well, did we establish how you see Jimmy Cagney then? What 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 were your impressions of him before you even watched him in a movie? I looked I took one look at him and I thought, okay, this he's got those kind of character actor bad boy vibes about him. And those kind of actors can either go one way or the other for me. Either it's like too strong that it comes off as obnoxious, a la Jared Leto, or <laughs> it can lead to like a really interesting dramatic comedic and romantic performance that kind of sums up everything more on along the lines of maybe okay who's a great character actor that can do a lot of that stuff uh it's there's, there's many of them uh, for, for some reason my mind's going to gary oldman but i've never seen him as a romantic lead except in sid and nancy uh, which could I suppose, be a romance movie in the weirdest way? I mean, Sid and Nancy is a lot of things. It is. If it you is. know the history of the Sex Pistols, then you know that a lot of those things are not good. No, they're not. No, they're not. I don't know about Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, 
I'm sure Gary Oldman's done some sort of romantic thing. I get. I like where your mind's going, though. I like the Gary Oldman comparison. Uh, Gary Oldman for me is like ultimately where my mind goes when I think character actor. I mean, that's fair. That's definitely fair. But coming out, coming out of this movie now, coming out of Blonde Crazy, did Jimmy Cagney live up to your expectations? He did indeed. And uh, you know, I, I think his performance in this movie is very good. It's very, it's very. He needs to be charismatic for it to work because oh, you know, yeah. for, for con men to work, they have to sell them the like sleazy car salesman or the complete dickhead version that I call estate agents. <laughs> I mean, estate, estate agents are con artists without the charisma. Landlords. Oh, yeah. Um, people who try and sell mobile phones. It could be anybody. General mm. managers, assistant managers. <laughs> assistant to the regional managers. Yeah. everyone <laughs> no thankfully jimmy cagney comes off as like the more cool type of con artist like you know what he's doing is wrong but at the same time you're like yeah i could use some of that charisma it's, it's kind of like a wolf of wall street type scenario it is it is kind of like a wolf of wall street however the end of the wolf of wall street does very clearly tell you all that this was a bad way of life the end of mm -hmm. blonde crazy Sure, he's in prison at the end, but like it's all made okay by the fact that Joan Blondell's now told him she loves him. Prison's fine if you've got love. That's the message of this movie, Nolan. Crime well, is okay as long as you're doing it with someone you love. And you can see now why it's a pre-code movie, because Mr. Hayes would have been having absolutely none of that message. And that's why Bonnie and Clyde works, because that is clearly a loving relationship, even though they're criminals. Yeah. It's still love. You still buy it. And unlike something where they try and pass this off as a good relationship, unlike the Joker and Harley Quinn, which is not love. That is a straight up abusive relationship. No, we should, we should... this is more the Bonnie and Clyde style. Yes, we should not be transforming dangerously domineering relationships into nice little romance tales. No. No. We, we, we like romance in this sense, where they are very clearly like-minded people. Yeah, sure, they may be doing a little bit of things wrong, you know, crime, but crime in movies is fun, Nolan. This is why we watch movies like this, because it's a movie. It's not supposed to be real, even though it feels real, because obviously all this kind of stuff is actually going on in the 30s. We're still in prohibition. Yeah, you know? I, I don't think the movie like glamorizes it at all. It's just more something that the, the guy has to do. And he he's like, if I'm going to do it, I might as well have fun doing it. It is. It is. I suppose it's his way of making money. And to be fair to the movie, it does very clearly take a turn to the you shouldn't have done that when he directly steals that bracelet. Mm -hmm. um, because up until that point, he's kind of just been cheating other cheats and conning other cons, con artists, you know, and, and kind of just having fun with other people that do the same thing and just who can win. It's like a big game of con artist chess. But then when he kind of loses a load of money or him and Anne lose a load of money because he's been out conned, he ends up stealing that very, very nice, very expensive bracelet in a quite a smart way. To be honest, I think it was an incredibly clever way he went about it. But as, you know, Anne Joan Blondell brought up to him later on, that was kind of outright stealing. That's not really what we were all about, is it? Jimmy no. Cagney, or Bert, as we like to call him, which oh, but the name Bert always makes me laugh. I apologize if your name is Bert. But it this does is why this is why I do not buy expensive bracelets. My bracelets are 
my bracelets are from eBay. They are like three or four quid. They look nice. That's all <laughs> I need them to do. Why? And I can why? easily because replace you're... them if I lose them. Are you fearing that you would be buying stolen goods? I mean, I don't think anyone would steal a synthetic punk studded bracelet. No, I mean, is that why you don't buy expensive bracelets? Because you think they're stolen? That and if I misplaced it, I'd be fucked. You would. You would. You don't, you don't, you know, you need to keep these expensive purchases safe, Nolan. And I, like and nice I lose watch. my, I lose my house keys daily. So terrible. Terrible. You'd, you'd lose your head if it wasn't screwed on. There's a nice scene. Yes. That's a... Thanks, Dad. Did I did sound like your dad then? I, I did. That was a very fatherly thing to say. Speaking even, of which, uh, just a, a grandfatherly thing to say. Speaking of which, quick tangent here. Tell your dad I said many happy returns. As it was yes, his thank you very recently. much. It was. It was my dad's birthday this week. Thank you very much. Uh, he says thank you very much as well. I've just told him I haven't because he's not <laughs> here right now. Um, but yes, it was. It was. That's a nice tangent. Um, Joan Blondell, though, Nolan. Now, I've been watching plenty of Joan Blondell because she is one of the absolute stars of the pre-code era. Had you ever seen a Joan Blondell movie before? Unless she was in Queen Christina, no. She wasn't. She wasn't. What do you make of Joan Blondell? Can you see why she's a huge star of pre-code movies? Yes, definitely. Uh, she's... She's got this kind of innocence to her that I find really endearing. But also, like, kind of a streak of rebel that's just hidden. It doesn't come out very often, but when it does, it's like, oh, yeah, you're kind of cool. That's exactly what she is. Yeah, She she might be all doe-eyed and playing nice, but she'll win in the end. By any means necessary, she will win. She's obviously also... Oh, she was obviously also quite a big sex symbol... I think that's plainly obvious to see. She's an incredibly any, attractive woman. Any woman who was white and blonde in that era was a sex symbol. Let's be honest. Well, I wouldn't quite go that far because I'm sure there were some unattractive ones. But certainly, look, there is a certain type in pre-code Hollywood. And white and blonde, yes, does or, tend... Or blonde and crazy... Or blonde and crazy, or or Jimmy Cagney, or Jimmy Cagney, or Jimmy Cagney, all five foot four of him. He's tiny. He's so tiny. It really shows in this movie as well, because he has to look up to all the really tall people. Like Lewis Calhoun has got to be like six foot three, and he's peering down at him like he's. God looking down from the clouds. And Jimmy Cagney just looks like a little child. But I always think that it takes significantly more, well, I suppose it does take significantly more uh, acting power, I suppose, to command a screen when you are physically diminutive. <laughs> That's what I do like about Jimmy Cagney. That's what I like about you know, Edward G. Robinson's another one. Peter Laurie's another one. Humphrey Bogart was only about five foot six. Uh, which you wouldn't I, think. I was a bit scared, admittedly, when I looked at the cast list because I saw Joan as a co lead in the woman and immediately my mind went to Crawford. So why do you hate Joan Crawford so much? You are too indoctrinated by Mummy Dearest. You need to listen to Joan Crawford's side of the situation. I don't think I need to listen to, to an abusive mother side of the story. Ah, you, uh, you have been, you have <laughs> been, you're in, you're in the mummy dearest cult, Nolan. You're not, you're not in a cult. You're in the mummy dearest. Oh no, I am, I am in several other cults. Well, that's understandable. So am I. Um, I know, but I, I know this about you. You need to give Joan Crawford her. Uh, you know, because been... because I like that new little Nas X song. Obviously, I'm in a cult. Oh yes, well yes, we all know about that. Yes, didn't he like 
offend God? Or is it something to do with Satan? I heard it was something to do with I'll Satan. mention it at the end of the video because we should just keep talking about the movie for now. We should. We should. <laughs> and Joan, Joan Blondell over Joan Crawford in your eyes. Yes. As far as I know, Joan Blondell was not an abusive mother. You need, I'm just saying you need to watch some Joan Crawford movies. Not movies about Joan Crawford. Not the same movie you you clearly watch every week to keep up your argument. <laughs> but actual Joan Crawford movies. There is actually, I'm not like defending Joan Crawford. I don't know if Joan Crawford was like that or wasn't like that. I just know that that's one side of it and that there's another side of it. I wasn't there. Fair it enough. just happened Fair to be enough. that there was a big book and a big movie made where she was evil. <laughs> but there's decades of work where Joan Crawford is a fantastic actor. So, Well, speaking shush. of despicable people, yes, let's talk Joe, played by Ray Milland. My God, he looks like a prick. We don't like Joe, we don't like Ray Milland. I just look at this picture of Ray Milland here that I've got up, and he looks like he's about to kick you out of a country club. He has that well, vibe about him. Look, I mean, it is the 30s, Nolan. Doesn't everybody dress that way? He looks like he sends his lobster back for it being a bit too hot. I mean, look, Joe, played by Raymond Land in this movie, is not supposed to be the person we're rooting for. <laughs> I know, it's a fun little antagonist role, I guess. He is. He's the one who ends up marrying Anne, marrying Joan Blondell. And I don't think Joan Blondell even wants to do that because she wants Jimmy Cagney and Jimmy Cagney wants Joan Blondell, but for some reason they don't tell each other. This sounds like me, doesn't it, Nolan? This sounds like me liking people but not telling them. And then they, they may like you in return, but they don't tell you either. It's just the, it's the issues of... I mean, I I don't, I don't think you should. I don't think you should come to me for romantic advice. I mean, anyone who's read my Tinder bio can attest I am not great at romantic stuff. I think we all now need to know what that is. My Tinder bio looks like my picture looks like a washed-up Polaroid that you've just like left out in the sun too long. Are you trying to be artsy? No, I'm just very, very bad at taking selfies. Well, yes. So am I. So am I. Um, Especially with this current hairdo, every angle makes me look like a serial killer. Well, I thought you were trying to uh, go for a strange ponytail look. <laughs> I think you should go for the ponytail, full ponytail. Look like somebody from the 1700s. I look like that whenever I go out for a walk. Do you know how hard it is to go for a walk and have the wind in Scotland be what it is with this fucking hairdo? Or, <laughs> or wear a big headband like you're playing tennis in the 80s. I hate tennis. Well, I do not want to be associated tennis. with tennis. It doesn't have to be tennis. It can be football. You can be playing football but you're wearing the big hairband with all your long flowing locks. I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll take football over tennis. Well, obviously you take football over tennis. Obviously, I don't, I don't even like strawberries tennis. and cream that much. So, I don't think it's a... Well, it's a, it's a necessity at Wimbledon. I don't think you have to eat strawberries and cream at every tennis event. <laughs> I think it would, be a, it would get a little too much, I think. Anyway, the movie, Nolan. The movie. <laughs> yes, we were talking about how much we hate Joe. We were, yes, we were. I like Raymond Land as an actor, sure. I'm but, sure uh, he's a great actor. I'm sure he's a nice fella. But this character, do... I... Th this is where it gets kind of into it for me. I like the bad boy con man, as long as they're, like, endearing about it. Joe is a bad boy con man who knows he's a fucking dick. And make sure you know that he's a dick. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely at the end of the movie, we 
fully hate the dude, really. Because we're kind of with him. We get this story. It's like several years later, Joan Blondell has left the life of crime. Jimmy Cagney has left the life of crime. Joan Blondell kind of of searches for Jimmy Cagney, goes to his house saying, oh, my husband, Joe has lost all this money, $30,000. This is 1931. $30,000 is an absurd amount of money. That, that, that would be a great amount of money for me right now. It would be a great amount of money for anybody, um, or for most people, regular, normal people, not crazy people. Um, but certainly in 1931, massive sum of money. And... Jimmy Cagney wants to try and help, try and help the situation um, for Anne, obviously, because there's a romancey, romancey there. So he goes to Joe, has a nice conversation with Joe, saying, right, okay, we can set up this kind of fake staged robbery. So all this 30000 that you've lost, just it just looks like it's been stolen. And Joe's like, yeah, fine, let's do it. That all makes sense to me. What does Joe go and do, Nolan? What does fucking he Fucking rats him out to the cops, that fucking cop-loving bastard. <laughs> oh, that's the best insult you've you've come out with in weeks. Uh, boot-licking dickhead, man. Boot-licking? Yellow-bellied? You've got to throw in a yellow-bellied. Yellow-bellied, boot-licking, cop-loving bastard. How many times in this movie is the phrase yellow-bellied uttered? Several. I don't even really know what it means, if I'm honest. Well, if you're yellow, you're supposed to be cowardly. Okay, that fits him perfectly, then. So it's like... (laughs) You're you're a coward, basically, but yellow-bellied sounds... A hell of a nobody says it anymore. I think if he wasn't yellow bellied, he would at least have the balls to double cross him in person, like classic Scorsese standoff with the gun and everything. Well, he doesn't even do that. No, he doesn't even do it to his face. Puts in an anonymous tip to the fucking cops. What a wank crack. And Jimmy Cagney's already in prison by the time that he actually finds out that it was Joe double-crossed him in the first place because Anne comes and tells him in prison, distraught, obviously, because her husband's now ratted out the person she actually loves. Terrible Joe. Nobody likes Joe. Horrible Joe. We hate Joe. We hate Joe, and we don't hate everybody called Joe. That's what I was about to say. We certainly don't hate... I know Everybody some good. Joe. I know some good Joes. It's fine. Yes, there are many people, good people in the world, called Joe. Not this one. Not Joe Reynolds. I think his name is. I mean, uh, and from what I've heard, this was interesting to me as a voice actor. That like, okay. oh, that dirty double crossing rat. I'd like to get my hooks in him. I'll tear him to pieces. He doesn't sound like that. That's just sort of how I would do the line. But apparently has inspired a lot of impressionists. And me being a voice actor, I find that very interesting. Well, I mean, look. Jimmy Cagney. Jimmy Jimmy Cagney's come out with a lot of fairly well-known lines in the early 30s, I suppose, Nolan. A lot of them sound like that. I couldn't even give you any of them by phrase, but, you know, that kind of thing particularly in his gangster movies. Um, obviously, he's a big quote. It's like, you know, made it my top of the world and all that kind of stuff. That was Jimmy Cagney. But there's a lot of yellow belly double-crossing snakes and hoodlums. And... Yeah, probably a lot of, you killed my brother, you dirty rat, that kind of stuff. Dirty like rats, so many, so many dirty rats. So many... Um, God... Jeez, oh, was he filming in a Witherspoons? <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. A scathing review there. Scathing. A rat-infested <laughs> eating and drinking establishment. Probably Tim That's Martin nice. was there too, the same age as he is now. <laughs> Looking like a rat. 
Oh, he's the God. king rat. That's the idea. He the rat king. Tim Tim Martin looks like what I imagine Ratigan from Great Mouse Detective would look like <laughs> if he was real. <laughs> but worse dressed. Oh, bet definitely. definitely. That Brexit loving yellow bellied bastard. You get Oh, do you know what I love now, Nolan? <laughs> we converted you onto pre-code movies with Queen, with Queen Christina. We've now converted you onto speaking like you're in the early 30s <laughs> with blonde crazy. I love it. There is a hell of a lot of that in this movie. Look, look if you are after a movie like that, let's be fair, it's not a huge name movie. Yes, it's got these two big stars in. Absolutely. But you could be you know, searching through pre-code movies for a reasonable while before you kind of got to Blonde Crazy on, on, on the list. There is bigger name movies out there. You know, there's handfuls of bigger name movies out there. But if you're into a slightly more low-key one that's very, very fun, very, very fun, constantly, it's a breeze to get through. It's will obviously leave you with a smile on your face. That's what pre-code movies are meant to do because it's right in the heart of the Great Depression and you can't misery, misery people, Nolan. No. You can't do that when they're already depressed because they don't have any money or any jobs and everybody's terrible because the economy's crashed. You can't make people miserable. So you make people happy, you give them romance, you give them endearing people to root for. You give them, I suppose in a way, you give them glorification of making your money in some sort of weird conniving way. <laughs> and also I mean, not really caring that you went to prison because you get food in prison, but also you're in love now. So really, is that a better life for Jimmy Cagney? Jimmy Cagney seems perfectly content for just waiting around in prison, knowing that Joan Blondell is going to be there for him when he gets out. How many times have you seen in movies somebody say, I'll be there waiting when you get out, and they're actually, and believe, and you believe that they're actually going to be there? Because I believe that Joan Blondell will actually be there. Some of them, I think they'd just go off at the first week. They'd last a week and they'd go, I can't do this anymore. I'm going with somebody else. Uh, I could bring up one movie that does that. I think you've seen it by now. What's this? Uh, uh, Baby Driver kind of does that. It does. It does. It does, actually. It does that? Was Baby Driver inspired by pre-code movies? No. Maybe. But, well... I mean, I Edgar Wright is a big film buff, so... I suppose I, it, it, it has gangs in it racketeering i suppose it is in that movie it's got a, a rat it's got a rat faced fucking business guy you hate called kevin spacey obviously and but unfortunately about that movie is that, is that we can't watch it anymore because it, it's not just one person in that movie no. that that's a creep anymore it's now two people it's yeah, getting worse and two. worse the two leads. It's, it gets worse. It gets worse with that movie. Jimmy Cagney wasn't a creep. Joan Pondell wasn't a creep. Watch Blonde Crazy much better. Have more fun. Go. You won't be thinking all the time about the sinister if, things these people have done. If I did want to rewatch this, I found this very funny. This is this movie's only ever been released on DVD in 2014 of all years as part of the Forbidden Hollywood box set. Ah. Oh. This that sounds like a box set that I frankly need. No, I, I'm sure you can probably find it on Amazon somewhere. Hopefully, I mean, look, this movie was was on, was on Amazon Prime. That's where I watched the movie. Or actually, can you? I don't know if if you can do this since you work at Amazon. Yes. Can you put in an order and then go pick it up at the warehouse? No, no that's not how it works. <laughs> I wish it did work like that. It'd be much easier, but no, that isn't how it works, unfortunately. But I do get a discount. Of course you do. Because that would only make sense. I don't use it a lot, though. 
I don't know why. It's my own fault. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of that. People don't need to hear about my nonsense. <laughs> I want to hear more about the fun things that happen in this movie. Did you like? Because I really did. I thought the funniest th- part of the whole movie was when Lewis Calhoun turns up at the horse racing track and none of his horses have won. <laughs> because you've spent the last 10 minutes convinced that he's won all this money from this whole scheme that they're concocting for some reason with car license plates and they're changing the numbers on, on this particular car license plate that corresponds with the number of the horse in this race. And because they haven't got to the racetrack yet, they're just kind of guessing, oh, the first race must have, you know, must currently be on. Do you fancy a bet, Colonel? And the Colonel's like, yeah, sure, let's let's have a nice bet. Meanwhile, the race has already been run, won, and Lewis Calhoun knows who's won the race by the fact that the car in front has got this weird license plate trick going on. But it turns out to be all a double cross, Nolan. There's another double cross, and it's very funny, and Lewis Calhoun looks like a fool. Well, I'll sum that up by, uh, I think our own Harley Quinn says that best. If we find out you have personalized license plates, you die. What's that all about? (laughs) What is that all about? I did watch that trailer, by the way. What, what? What's wrong with personalized? I mean, I don't really like personalized license plates, but but death. I, I death? think it's a. I think it's a dig at the Joker. Does the Joker have personalized license plates? Yeah, on that car he's got in the first Suicide Squad. How am I supposed to remember that? <laughs> How am uh, well, I to be expected to be remember to to remember that? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I don't know. Just look at a comment section, and you'll see all this stuff. Okay, fair enough. But uh, that's that scene is very funny. I I do like seeing guys like that get their comeuppance a bit. I mean, what a bizarre kind of as well. What a bizarre kind of gambling thing! Like you're going to have personalized license plates for the horses, and it's like, <laughs> what? I don't really understand it, but it looked cool. Are you trying it to did. like Stanley Kubrick your way out of betting? What's just bet you fucking idiot? You know, this guy, this guy doesn't lose money, Nolan. That—that's his whole deal. He's the one who double-crossed Jimmy Cagney in the first place. Dan, his name's Dan. He wears a top hat. It's—it's a, it's a really. I like top hats, and I don't like it when evil people wear top hats. Oh, you must hate watching the old Adam West Batman show, then. No, because I like the penguin. <laughs> <laughs> And I do weird impressions of Burgess Meredith. Or I don't. I don't do impressions. <laughs> Just in the, in, in the mirror. Of Burgess Meredith. <laughs> That's all I do. Just quack, 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 quack. Just to myself. Pretending to be the penguin. No, I don't do that. Uh, I can't think yeah. of a single good person inside of who wears a top hat. Not even Mr. Top Hat from Thomas the Tank Engine. Because I'm but- convinced he was fucking the trains. Well, <laughs> I don't know what I don't know where to go with that. I don't know where to go with that because you've just turned a very innocent children's show very sinister, Nolan. <sighs> I mean, how how does he even do that with trains? They're don't, steam trains. Uh, don't example. Use, don't 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 use your imagination. Come I'm on. not using my imagination. I'm not using my. Lots of good people wear top hats. Fred Astaire. In top hat, uh, in top cat, wears the, the top cat, cat who, wear, who wears top hat. Top cat doesn't wear a top hat. Top cat wears a little. I don't even know what type of hat it is. He does wear a hat. That's a very niche top. joke. I just realised. People know top cat. Do people not know top cat? Isn't it a British thing? I thought like it was purely no. a British thing. Top cat's not a British thing. Top top cat's a Hanna Barbera thing. It's Distinctly American. Yeah. Top cat's not British. Can we think is. of? I can't think of anybody good with a top hat. I've just give you one. Fred Astaire in top hat. Okay, I'll one. give you that. Fred Astaire. Who but else then we got? again, 
Um, people who wear top the Wizard of Oz. You mean the con man? Con men wear top hats. We all like con men, as we found out in Blonde Crazy. So, all right then. Nobody, all right then. Villains wear top hats. I'm just saying I like top hats. You could have said one very clear example. You could have said Zatanna, and you would have sold me. Well, I didn't think of that, did I? No. I was thinking of evil sorcerers. <laughs> Who always wear? I, no, they always wear because wizard evil hats. people wear top hats, and that's our point about this movie. This guy wears a top hat, therefore he is evil. All right then, what's <laughs> a good person hat in your opinion? Uh definitely not a baseball cap. Well, uh, that's offensive. I often wear baseball caps. Okay, not a red baseball cap. Well, obviously, yes. Uh, not snapbacks. Well, I often wear those as well. So really, I'm just evil. Is that what we're I, getting? I will say beanies are a good hat. Okay. Uh, berets are a good hat. If you're French. If you're French or you just want to be fancy. Uh, what are those hats that old fishermen wear? They look very nice. The hats that old fishermen wear. The little beanies that sit on the top of your head so like you look like a garden gnome. The ones that look like frisbees. Like... The ones that look like frisbees. <laughs> what, what the hell are you trying? A fisherman? They have this little like circle thing on top that always reminds me of a frisbee. Do you mean a sailor's hat? Maybe. Well, they're a good hat, to be fair. Like a like a navy captain's hat. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that. That's a good hat. Like, like the captain on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. His hat. Any any beanie that is a bright color is a good hat. I've got some nice bright pink beanies here. What about a bowler hat? A bowler hat, you can go either way. A fedora, obviously. That's I mean, quite Fre- heroic. I, is it Freddy Krueger? Freddy Krueger's very heroic. I was thinking more along the lines of Indiana Jones and Rocky. Okay, I'll give you a fedora. What about a sombrero? Sombreros Everybody are likes a sombrero. Yes, I'll give you sombreros. What about a crocodile Dundee hat? I mean, that's only corks on the end of it. If you're Australian, sure. What if you're not Australian and you're wearing one? Well, when you put it on immediately, you're just going to start <laughs> imitating an Australian accent. What about a flat cap? Remind me what that is. A farmer hat. If you're a farmer, the hat a farmer would wear. Sure, I respect farmers. Good. Right. Well, there you go. There's the hat. There's Hats Today with Morgan and Nolan. There's the little segment we're starting. Next week, we'll be talking the benefits or the pros and cons of trilbies. I should bring up every hat Morgan mentioned there. He has just sequentially started putting on his head. And now he looks legitimately insane. I have so many hats on. I look like Dobby in The Goblet of Fire when he wears all those hats, even though that's not a thing in picture form. Nah, I I like that you dropped the book reference, though. That's very unlike you. Well, you know, it's nice every now and again. But he does wear a lot of hats in that book. Actually, I'll give baseball caps another shot because they always wear them in the Percy Jackson books. And I think if you're, you know, if you're knocking baseball hats, you're knocking baseball because everybody wears a baseball hat in baseball. And that's a whole sport gone out the window just because you don't like the hats. I don't think that's fair. I think they're fine when they're not red. Or, what have, if, the red, or have the red socks. What, what if the the baseball team plays in red? And they have uh, to wear a red baseball hat. I mean, if they're in New York and they have to wear a red baseball cap, I mean, they're kind of signing their own fates there. Okay. Okay. Anything else we want to say about Blonde Crazy? 
Nolan, though. Uh, I know there's not a great deal to say about it, and we've, we've I mean, it's kind of. If what I can say is it's a very breezy, simple, fun movie that you will have fun with. Go and rent it on Prime. Yeah. If you are bored after realizing we don't have many movies coming out this year because of streaming and COVID and people still acting as if they have to wait for movies to be released. I mean, for fuck's sake, the Suicide Squad has been ready since last year. Just fucking release it. You don't have to wait till August. Just let me get that rant out of the way. Then this is a very fun movie to sort of tide you over with. If like me and Morgan, you are still stuck in lockdown. Yeah, just about though. Hopefully, we're getting out just a little bit, bit by bit. Celebration. And the first place Morgan is going to go to is the hat store. No, it's the hairdressers. That's Dude, the first place not, Morgan's you do going not, to. Honestly, you're like my brother when he says his hair is too long. Your hair is fine. You can't tell right now because I am trying something different. But I'll nobody else what. can see it. He's got, I don't know if it's gelled, but he's got this sort of slick back hair. That's going around. water. He looks like <laughs> an Abercrombie model. That's a lie. That the the slick back is water on my head. <laughs> Just to give everybody that Im- image. I find it funny when people are around me and say, "Oh, I want to get a haircut. My hair's too long." I'm like, some people like and suit long hair, Nolan. You, not me. So. All right. All right, yo, it's a wonderful podcast, fans. If we can get a hundred. No. Retweets on this episode, Morgan will grow his hair out to my length. Right. Make it happen, guys. No, I won't, though. I would be very, very appreciative of such significant support. But that's also bribery. Who wants to see Morgan looking like a Viking, therefore giving you a chance to wear your Viking hat? Oh, I could wear a Viking hat, but it would be an inauthentic Viking hat, Nolan, because as we all know, Vikings did not wear hats with horns. They didn't. That's a myth. It's a myth. Why would they wear horns? What do the horns do? Make them look like bulls? It doesn't make sense. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. But yeah, if we can get a hundred retweets on this, Morgan will grow his hair out, and then he will, will post a picture. I will let you continue to believe that that's going to happen, <laughs> because it isn't. Even if we do get such significant support, I'm telling everybody now. Everybody's well aware of me and my stubbornness, <laughs> because they're listening to it's a wonderful podcast and should know me hopefully quite well. If you don't, and this is for some reason. Your first episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show. First of all, I apologize for Nolan. <laughs> but second of all, I'm stubborn. Um, but lovable, hopefully. Just like Blonde Crazy. Stubborn, lovable, breezy and fun. And I mean, the final line kind of just sets it all up for you. And that is... I can't remember the exact line, but it involved angel wings and flying over prison walls, and that's very romantic. I have two more questions about Blonde Crazy before we wrap up. Both of the answers will be hats. Although they shouldn't be. Why do Jimmy Cagney and Joan Blondell insist on referring to each other as honey throughout the whole movie? The 30s. But why do they say it like that? And that's not even an over-exaggeration, what I've just done. That's exactly how he says it. That's like how my aunt greets me. So, Honey? It's weird. I wasn't really into it. Unfortunately, I was not really into this weird... I mean, I'm all for pet names, but why do you have to overemphasize them to a, a ridiculous degree? I don't have know. Have you been around couples? This is what they do. Not overemphasis. Yes, that's what I've just said. Pet names are fine, but the overemphasis and acting as though you're some sort of weird southern 
oil tycoon is a little bit extreme, I think, from, from Jimmy Cagney. Joan Blondell less so. She she kind of doesn't put that much horrendous uh, emphasis on uh, on hers. But he does. It, it's too much. Well, that's just something you have to deal with, buddy. Okay. Second question. I mean, is it not really a question? I suppose it's not really a question. It's just a kind of get Nolan's thoughts on um, Joan Blondell naked in a bath. Uh, I'm sure it does it for some people. Not really my thing, to be honest. I mean, well, I only bring it up because it's a pretty kind of significant um, pre-code sexy moment. If if you look at that sort of situation where it would be named in law as an example of this is the kind of stuff we want to get rid of in movies. So I, that's I, why I bring it up. I say those fucking dweeby virgins should get over themselves. It's just a bath. Looks like she's having a nice time in the bath. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't think there's any there's anything particular. You know, it's not gratuitous, is it? I, I view the Hollywood studio system of that time and going forward because I saw what they were like in the Hitchcock movie. They're yeah. dweeby. They're dweeby virgins who want to follow the rules too much, and I really hate that. My anarchistness hates that. And that's why we now love pre-code movies, no learn, because they are anarchical. Hell yeah. They really are. They really, really are. In the best way. Um, but yes, look, I just think that's a it's it's a relatively significant movie moment because Joan Blondell was such a huge star, huge sex symbol, and that's kind of the iconic image, almost, I suppose, of uh, of Joan Blondell in this movie. But there we go. Short and sweet. We love it. Like the movie. All of 80 minutes. Perfect. Perfect length for a movie. I think all movies should be 80 minutes or four hours. <laughs> and there should be nothing in between. Gone are the days of the two and a half hour movie. I don't like it anymore. 80 minutes or four hours. I'm sure. only in for one of those. I'll get behind that. I ever, do you know what? It's weird. I'm going to say the words as I've grown older, knowing full well that I'm not 75 years old, but act like it. I just find myself less and less desired to watch two-hour movies. Like, give me one-hour 15 movies. Honestly, I'm at the point where it's like, I don't care about runtimes at all. Every story is as long or as short as it needs to be. Well, that's that is admittedly a better way of thinking about it, and I apologize for being so particular. I've just been watching a lot of pre-code movies, and they're all very short. I mean, have you ever done this thing where you'll get a movie, right, and you'll look through the deleted scenes, and instantly one of your reactions will be like, why the fuck did you cut that out? Well, yes. And most of Harry Potter. Yeah. Well, I don't mind that they deleted the Hogwarts song out of it. No, you don't like the Hogwarts song? No, I love the Hogwarts song. I love it so much. It's so good. I'm going to sing it now. I'm not going to sing it now, but I might sing it later. But uh, I, I think deleted scenes should become a thing of the past, unless it's the director personally deleting them. Because a lot of these scenes could easily go into the movie and they would add to it. I mean, if you're sitting down there for like a two-hour movie, one 30-second scene isn't really going to change much, is it? Well, no, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. No, I mean, I thought you meant like we should do away with deleted scenes as in like we shouldn't have them. Oh, no, if we, if we do that, we're just going to have madness. We're just going to be watching rough cuts of movies. Yeah. we need. I, I, I want to see all this. But yeah, I mean, look, put it in the movie if you want to put it in the movie. Basically, what you're advocating for is full creative control for filmmaker. 
Yeah, and stop having these dweeby versions coming, cutting stuff for time that needs to be there. I think Nolan's come up with a new favorite phrase today to to describe Hollywood executives. And in fact, Nolan, you could even call them yellow-bellied dweeby virgins. Sure. That's exactly how I would describe Joss Whedon. Which is which is even better. <laughs> which is even better. There you go. There you go. Let's end on that phenomenal note. <laughs> Episode 154 of It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show. We have been talking, I suppose, a little bit about Blonde Crazy from 1931. Go and watch it. It's very fun. It's an absolute treat. It really is. Hopefully like a good episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast, is an absolute treat, Nolan. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show, of course, is not the only show you can find on this feed, though. We have Machine Mondays every Monday with Janine, the machine talking all her schmodown things. We have Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday, where, I, where me and Janine, I was, I was going to say I and Janine, and that doesn't make sense. It would be Janine and I. Get your grammar right, Morgan. God. Don't know where I went there. Morgan hasn't seen every Wednesday, where Janine forces me to watch things that I have not seen. We have recently ended our Karate Kid series, but there will be more Karate Kid content coming to the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel. So, Go over there as well and subscribe over there. Cobra Kai we'll be getting into over there. The the TV show that everybody universally loves. Do I like it? I've seen season one. Do I like it? I'm not going to tell you. You have to go and watch what we'll be doing. There's a tease that wasn't very successful. But we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Find it everywhere podcasts are found. That is Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and everywhere else. Or on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. You can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash It's a Wonderful One. It's a Wonderful Podcast on Patreon. Find the tier that's right for you over there if you are feeling particularly generous. Can find me on Twitter at the Purple Dome with the three instead of the E in the because three is of course the magic number on Instagram at the Purple Dome. And now it's Nolan's time to ramble on about God knows what for five minutes. <laughs> so Morgan, did you see that Suicide Squad trailer? I did. Yes. Do you want to talk about it? A lot of things in it surprised me. For one, I've never seen Idris Elba be funny, and he's kind of rocking it. I like Idris Elba. I'm in for Idris Elba. Uh, Peacemaker is probably going to be my brother's favorite character. Which one's that? That's John Cena. Okay. I don't like his hat. <laughs> you mean the, the toilet seat he wears on his head? Yes. <laughs> I am there for Polka Dot Man. Okay. Uh, because, like, actually, I should have said this earlier, Jimmy Cagney, kind of like a David Dasmalchian, who is another great character actor working today. I mean, unfortunately, I think he's significantly more successful than David Dasmalchian. But everybody knows David Dasmalchian's face if they don't know his name. True. Sylvester Stallone voicing King Shark is just beautiful. I like that it's Stallone. Why we need a big shark, I don't know. King Shark has been a key member of the Suicide Squad in the comics for years. I am uneducated. Ass. Um, <laughs> Is the statement and, there. And I guess the moment that everyone would be talking about in the trailer, they got a fucking kaiju up all up in the shit. Well, they, they have. The Conqueror, a big starfish. And also a Peter Capaldi's in it. He is. He's got little bolts in his head. He looks fun. Peter Capaldi's always fun. There's a big star, though. I mean, look, to be fair, I don't really get the big star, but I'll probably end up liking the big star. Especially as that big star is rumoured to be voiced by none other than Taika Waititi. I will probably definitely like the big star, then, if that's the case. (laughs) If we're being honest. And also, i got to give a shout-out my boy because I'm kind of low-key hoping he's probably going to get killed in the first five minutes 
but I'm low-key hoping my boy Pete Davidson just survives the whole movie. <laughs> this is the Suicide Squad, Nolan. Nobody should realistically be surviving, apart from Harley. Harley will survive. Who do you think's going to die? Um, polka dot man, just because you've said you like him. <laughs> the shark, maybe not the shark, actually. Pete Davidson, don't even know remotely what his character's name. I don't know much about it. I don't know much about it. Oh, if, um, uh, if you see, look on YouTube, the DC fandom event that they do for the Suicide Squad is very funny. It's just them on teams playing trivia. Okay. And I probably, think Rick will probably die. Oh, God, yeah, I remember him from the first one. Is he? Is he still in it? Yeah, he's there in a yellow shirt. God. Yeah, get rid of him. And probably, probably the big star. Probably, since the big star is likely the villain. Yeah, I can't see the big star making it out. I mean, can you imagine Amanda Waller trying to talk to Starro about being on the Suicide Squad? <laughs> it's not exactly inconspicuous, is it? It's going to be a crazy movie. It looks like pure balls-to-the-wall fun, and I'm here for it. And actually, me and my friend Gwen were talking about this. I think it would be very cool, not only for them to release the air cut of Suicide Squad, okay. but to treat the Suicide Squad as like DC's answer to Mission Impossible and have a different director do each new installment every time. You mean like Bring with, in... with like a whole new different group? Almost mostly new different group have a couple recurring people like Harley and that because yeah. you know they're not going to kill Harley Quinn off. No, no, that would be silly. There would be but, uproar. There would be riots. You could use this as a way to get like villains that we wouldn't have in movies otherwise. Like you could have Clayface mm. in the Suicide Squad, and it would work. You've been. I'm going to. I'm going to use the phrase "banging on," but that's quite negative. You've been talking about Clayface in a movie for centuries, it feels like. Because I think his in a good thing, in a, in, a, in a good way, I like Clayface as well. I, I like how he's named after Boris Karloff. That's my favourite thing about Clayface. I just, I want to see more DC villains that aren't the Joker get their well, yes. sort of and when you Obviously. cast like charismatic actors playing these like C list and D list villains, it's kind of fun. It is. It is. I think that's exactly what we're going to see in that there's... movie, to be honest. James Gunn, I think, described it in the best way possible, where he's like, there's something endearing about villains who aren't even good at being villains. Not a bad quote there. I like that. I definitely like that. Here's hoping Pete Davidson survives. What's your obsession with Pete Davidson? Where's I this think, come from? I think he's very funny. Uh, I I really like his dark humor and his stand-up. And I like seeing him get good work. And I also really like the King of Staten Island. I don't know anything about him, really. So I, I, I was legitimately interested. Uh, his, he, he just his seems like a, a random person. Okay. Well, that's sad. And he, he makes jokes about it, and it's kind of like, it's a good case for why I like dark comedy, because he uses it as a shield and not as a way to strike down others. And I feel like a lot oh, of dark no. comedians kind of punch down when Pete uh, Davidson doesn't. Ah, plus fair, he's, fair plus he's, he's friends with Machine Gun Kelly, and I like Machine Gun Kelly. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll, I'll give him credit there. I did not know that. Okay, Pete. Okay. There you if you go. haven't, uh, you, you should check out The King of Staten Island. It's a, it's a Judd Apatow movie, so it's like 20 minutes too long. But oh, it's, it's, it's two hours, 20 minutes, isn't it, Nolan? It's two hours, 20 minutes long. I don't know if we've had this conversation, but don't you like Bill Burr? I do like Bill Burr. He, he's in it. He's very good. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. There we go. Lovely stuff. And yeah, it's a bit more, a bit more of a deep cut. Rico from Hannah Montana, isn't it? That is a deep cut. God, I bet he looks old now. 
He's got a mustache. He's got tattoos. He's Some smoking mustache? weed. It's no. amazing. No, no, he's ten. <laughs> I refuse to acknowledge that he's not ten years old. I'm not watching that movie simply for that fact. <laughs> Stubbornness. Stubbornness, Nolan. Next time I visit you, I'm bringing my Blu-ray of it. Okay. No, I won't watch it. I'll go somewhere else. You can watch it on your own. I, I will, like, clockwork orange you into watching it. That's very unnecessary. You don't have to do that. That's too far. That's too far. Anyway. Anyway. Suicide Squad. We're into it, Nolan. We're into it. Hell yeah. We're into it. We're about it. Lovely stuff. There you go. Nolan, if they want to hear more, you know, things you might have to say about the Suicide Squad or various random things, hats, for example, yes. new insults you've discovered through old movies that they're also very entertaining, where can people find you? You can find me at NolanDean27 on Twitter, NolanDeanWriter on Instagram, and NolanDean on YouTube, where I recently put up a nice voice acting video on my birthday. Hoping people would take pity on me and share it, but they didn't. It was just, uh, it was just me doing uh, the nightmare dialogue from the Joker scene in Zack Snyder's Justice League, but in five different Joker voices, including my own take on the Joker, which is very fun. There you go, there you go. Go and check that out. That's where you find Nolan in all of his wonderful Nolan places. Because Nolan turns up in Nolan places. No, Nolan doesn't turn up in places where Nolan doesn't turn up. That I don't know where I was going. <laughs> I don't know where I was going, but I lost myself halfway through. Anyway, I think there's probably only one thing left for me to do right now, and that's for me to say thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast. We love you all so much truly wonderful truly truly wonderful people i will say goodbye and ask nolan to probably do another impression to see us thanks for listening to it's a wonderful podcast you dirty dirty rats